0: The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Our host is Rev. Percy McCray, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, I'm Wayne Shepherd Percy. Great to be with you across the table here today. Let's talk about our topic.
1: We have an exciting show that is going to be about an individual who had to learn how to receive after being for so many years a giver and a doer. And because of her most dire moment how her spiritual sensibilities began to shift around humbling herself to be a receiver.
0: So that's our topic for the program today, learning to receive, and we'll all benefit from this, won't we? All right, we always open with Scripture. What do you have in mind today?
1: Spiritual nugget for today is found in Psalms, the ninth chapter, verse number 10. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you.
0: We're going to hear from a woman today who, because of her cancer, has learned to receive. Percy, introduce our guest.
1: Well, I'm excited and thrilled today to have with us on the show Teresa Michaelis, who is a former leukemia cancer patient, treating and have treated at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America at Midwestern Regional Medical Center in Zion, Illinois. It's a thrill and a privilege to have you on the show today, my dear. Thank you.
2: And thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Well, with that, I had a little opportunity to get to know you a little bit prior to uh, the program. Let's first uh, delve into, if you will, the day you heard or was told that you had cancer and mentally... Emotionally, physically, and or spiritually, where were you, and how did you react, and what was going on in your life at that time?
2: Um, I actually, when I found out, was at a girlfriend's house. I was spending the night. Um, I had been having a hard time, you know, like driving a distance, so I was sleeping over. I had gone for my female physical that day, okay, and um, she thought I might be a little anemic, so she did some blood work. She called me at nine thirty at night and said, "You have leukemia, or you have cancer? I think it's leukemia." I was I'm like, you tell people you have cancer on the phone. She says, I do. You should have been seen at least six months ago, and you have to see an oncologist in the morning.
1: Wow. So you're told this information mm-hmm. in in no uncertain terms. How did you react and respond to that? What happened to you? What was going on? What What happened to your computer chip when you heard that?
2: It kind of freezes, but I was with a very good friend who is also a believer. So we prayed. And I kind of had a strange peace. Um, I was terrified under one hand, but on the other hand, it wasn't why me. It was, so now what do we do? How do we live through this?
1: So you get the information, you're told, thank goodness that you're with someone Mm -hmm. that basically provided some immediate support to you in that moment of despair, shock, Whatever the emotion was that you were feeling at that particular time, you had to begin to start moving down a pathway of some sort in terms of looking at options and treatment. Uh, how did you begin to start that journey and that path? What were some of the steps that you took to start moving in the direction of now what do yeah. we do? Action steps. I, I went
2: the next morning um, and had some tests done and then waited to hear and didn't. And so I was really concerned and no one would I would call and wouldn't get information and that's when I um, contacted the hospital and I was here the next day and we started a process of the testing and everything and
1: so pretty quickly you reacted and responded Mm -hmm. very quickly actually
2: yes I was told I should have been seen six months ago got it that I was pretty serious and I needed to get help right away
1: you have that conversation, you do your testing, you you do an evaluation, you basically, you get the skinny on what the story is here from mm-hmm. a clinical perspective, and you get a picture of what, what was going on and what you needed to do. What type of treatment did you undertake, if I may ask?
2: Um, it is a pill that I take, okay. and at, um, initially I was on a higher dose, but that... Um, made me that they thought I either had a stroke or brain cancer that I was also dealing with. I had some pretty severe side effects to it. Okay. Uh, So they took me off for a little bit, and then they put me back on a lower dose. Uh, The same thing happened, only not quite as severe, and they were watching and got me um, different therapies that I needed, speech therapy, physical therapy, things like that.
1: Okay. Okay so you 're having a little trouble here you're, you're, you know your initial out the gate is a little bumpy if it 's mm-hmm. fair for me to use that language uh, and you're you 're migrating down this path of being told that you have cancer, embracing that you have cancer, quickly needing to do something about your cancer. you start a treatment process, and things are not going well initially with your 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 treatment. Let's talk about where does your faith kick in at some point here? You said you're a person of faith and your sense of spirituality. Let's talk about when and where does your faith kick in? Again, things are not going ideally. We'll mm-hmm. say it that way.
2: Well, my faith had kicked in much earlier. I was a Christian and my father had gone through cancer for six years okay. and had passed the month before I found out I had cancer. Oh, wow. And when we were going through that walk... Um, I remember the day that he told me, he says, I've tried to teach you how to live well, and now I hope to show you how to die well. Mm. And um, I was pretty floored when he said that. Yeah, I was going to ask,
1: how did you feel about that?
2: Oh, I was driving at the time, and I thought, you know, just trying to stay on the road and concentrate on what I was doing. Um, but he had the need to speak about it then, and we, we have shared our faith over the years. Um, he taught me when I was young. okay, And then... Um, You know, my faith took a little different path and, you know, you're struggling and everything, but it grew much stronger going through cancer with him. So we really enjoyed our time together and didn't waste it. I didn't realize it, but he pointed it out that I was um, witnessing to people at the hospital that he was at. Okay. When I'd be sitting and waiting and doing things, I would just see somebody by themselves or you start striking up a conversation or you see somebody, you know, a few times um, and it just kind of was a natural flow. So when I started this journey, um, it's what I did here, too. But I was also on the receiving end, and I had to be told that. I had to let people care for me now. I was the one who was always the caretaker.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit. So, again, would it be safe to say, number one, that your experience with your dad from a clinical perspective and a spiritual perspective in an odd way prepared you for what was coming down the pipeline for yourself?
2: Yes, When people talk about cancer being a gift, you think that can't be. It Mm. was a gift in many ways. It prepared me for what I went through, you know, over time with my dad. And then once I had the diagnosis, I don't know that I would be here without that preparation. It's
1: interesting. And so on the flip side of that, then now, obviously, you're on the other side of the table and it's you. I thought that you articulated a very profound point that you had to learn how to allow to be ministered to or served or cared for. Yes. Because I guess is it safe to say that your personality is that you're a doer and not necessarily a receiver? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes, but- I'm much more comfortable being the one that's going to take care of somebody or, you know, run errands for somebody or raising, you know, the family that kind of thing. So having to rely on people for basic needs was humiliating at first, but not humiliating, humbling.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and I had to look at it. That's I, My brother had told me that it's not humiliating, honey, it's humbling. But you have to allow us to do this. Um, and I had some family that I had a difficult time with, and other family that were there, and friends too. Some, some friends aren't as close then. They don't know what to do. They're scared. Don't know what to say. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to act. I was told I was always the strong one, and now I wasn't playing my part anymore. Hmm. And that was very difficult for people. So I've learned to just be humble, accept help when it's offered, and um, try to find where I can minister in little ways at first. It helped me keep my mind off of what was going on.
1: So I want to stay right there. I don't want to move off of that spot. Let's talk about it. I want to dig a little bit deeper, if you will allow me and give me permission Certainly. to. How did you spiritually change, grow, or evolve when you had to stop being the caregiver and you had to allow people to care for you spiritually, what happened to you? That's mm-hmm. a shift, you're telling me that's that a shift. That was
2: a huge shift. And I was amazed. On one hand, my God owns the cattle on a thousand, thousand hills. hills. And you know, I had And a had thousand, thousand hills
1: that. that the cattle was on. Yes, <laughs>
2: and everything that I needed was provided. My marriage did not last through this. Okay. Um, I have children on both sides of the issue, and that was a very difficult time. Which, by the way, is not untypical. I have heard that it's not, and it was a shame. Um, It did begin before that, though, um, because I couldn't contribute enough anymore. So we had all that going on, plus this. But my God was there, and it didn't matter if it was financial, spiritual, um, just somebody calling at the right time when I was low asking did I want to go do this or can I stop by and do that or, or running into people here at, you know, the hospital. It just, he was always there, always there. Mm. And when I was hurt or angry or whatever, um, we had some real strong conversations. And then I would thank him. I had such a good father here on earth that I could have those really hard conversations with. And he was really honest with me, and I was honest with him. And if you've been a father, some of those can be difficult. absolutely. Um, But he would be there. And then there was times when I literally, when you know how you're supposed to cry out in the spirit and you don't know what that means or what that looks like, I found out because I couldn't even speak. I was in so much pain.
1: And you, it reminds me of the scripture that says that, that God will interpret our, the groans and the moans yes. of us when we're not able to articulate. Like he's saying you're
2: supposed to be thankful in everything. Yeah. And I told him, you're going to have to teach me how because I'm in too much pain to be thankful. Mm. And so he did, though. He showed me, and I started doing it as a choice of my will. I always taught my child children, you have to um, decide what you're going to do. Yeah. And then you must do, you know, you have to act on that yes. and you have to keep acting on that purpose in your heart and then follow through.
1: So my interpretation of the spiritual takeaway of, again, cause I think that that's the point of this, this story, this narrative is you're no longer able to be the caregiver. You have to receive care. Mm-hmm. And in that, humbling as your brother Mm -hmm. suggested to you you learned how to cry out to god in ways that that was not rational that that Mm -hmm. wasn't organized wasn't i have i have the right words i've I've got it all thought through in the midst of your moment of i don't know what else to say or do that's when you really cried out to god in ways that you never did before. You knew you thought you knew how to do in that regard.
2: It was an amplification. I was not always good at let's sit down and you have to have this prayer time, this prayer time. I have five children, you know, big family a lot yeah. going on things to take care of. So you pray when you're washing the floor. You yeah. pray when you're giving them a bath. Right. You pray whatever comes up. I had to do it ongoing. Yeah, you're
1: multitasking. So
2: yes, that was what I was known for. I have I had to learn to not multitask now because my brain couldn't process quickly enough, and that was part of the issue. Okay. So the Lord taught me to slow down, find out what was important. What does He want me to do? Because it might not be any of the things I think that have to get done. Right. And it might be very little that day, but it might be one person I'm supposed to stop and talk to. It might be one. Um, somebody I'm supposed to pray about that I've seen, you know, on on, uh, my phone or something. And I have to, I've learned to tune into those things and find my value in those things.
0: Teresa, that is so good. Percy, can I step in for just a moment? I know you're going to talk with Teresa further here, but we are offering a resource that fits right in with what Teresa is saying. The resource is called Four Things Every Cancer Patient Must Do, and it just fits in so nicely. I wanted to mention it here. It's available right now on our website for download, Four Things Every Cancer Patient Must Do. You'll find it at healthhopeandinspiration.com. And we'll talk more about it in a few moments, but I wanted to fit that in right here. All right, Percy, back to you and Teresa now. The
1: one big takeaway that you'd like to leave someone listening to you today who was a mother, multitasker, caregiver, doer, Mm -hmm. and that shifted for you and you became someone that had to humble themselves to receive, what's the one thing that you would leave this audience with right now at this exact moment?
2: You live by your convictions. Keep living by your convictions. What were your convictions that God gave you before? Then persevere and decide that you're going to whatever is given to you. You deal with that each day, each step. You're doing the same things. It just looks a little different.
1: Hmm. Teresa, my callous, former leukemia patient who's helping us to understand that God is with us in the midst of everything and all things. Today, I salute you. I commend you. I thank you for being a survivor and a thriver and standing tall to declare that God is good. God bless
0: you, dear.
2: God bless you. Thank you.
0: Well, if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, where they treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. With hospitals in Atlanta and Chicago and Philadelphia and Phoenix and Tulsa, they take an integrative approach to cancer care use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease and supportive services like nutrition and naturopathic medicine, along with pastoral care, to help maintain strength and quality of life. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Please visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses leading-edge technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, I was inspired listening to Teresa today.
1: She was inspirational, no question about it. But again, the big takeaway more than anything else was around the idea of how this uh, process shifted what she normally was accustomed to being and doing which is a giver and she had to learn how to receive and had to understand the spiritual principle of not being humiliated by that but humbling herself to allow that ministry to be given to her at
0: this yeah. point she was vulnerable as well wasn't she
1: well all cancer patients are in various degrees and I think that's a big takeaway for people to understand whether they articulated it or not there's an element of vulnerability that all cancer patients fundamentally experience and, therefore, opportunity for things to shift, change, and dramatically change in their life.
0: We always like to leave our listeners with resources, and today we've chosen a resource that you had a hand in putting together. It's called Four Things Every Cancer Patient Must Do. It's available right now on our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. You can go there right now and download this, print it out, print as many copies as you want, But, Percy, let's talk about what's in this resource, four things every cancer patient must do.
1: Well, again, our motivation here is to provide people with insight, things that they can practically do and apply to a situation uh, as immediate as possible without giving medical advice. Obviously, we're not here to do that. But the first uh, principle that we have outlined in this document is, number one, get
0: a second opinion. You need to be aware of all the options, don't you? People
1: are overwhelmed when they're initially told that they have cancer and in some cases may just accept or run with the first thing that is said to them and not really think through the process of options and choices. And so getting a second opinion is always a very good thing to do, even if the second opinion confirms the first opinion. Mm -hmm. Again, you want to make sure that you have accurately uh, exercised all of your options with regard to the potentiality of what you can and should do. And in theory, getting a real good sound sense of what it is that you're dealing
0: with. As you've said before, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, and
1: the Word of God tells us that my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And so we're trying to give people, again, the ability and the avenue to get as much knowledge as they possibly can absorb. And in many cases, people need to have someone else with them to help them process that knowledge as well, because many cancer patients are initially overwhelmed by hearing that they have cancer. So to absorb and process more knowledge, which will give you potentially more options, will be of your benefit under those circumstances.
0: Another thing that cancer patients must do is to find the right doctors. What what would you add to that?
1: What we're talking about here is finding a doctor, a physician, a clinical team who, number one, you feel comfortable with, who you feel like... Uh, is willing to be a team member with you. you, that you're not just sitting outside of this process being dictated to, but that you're being brought into the process of having conversation, that you feel comfortable, that this person on some level is invested in who you are as a person, that they understand you, that they've heard what your particular needs, issues, anxiety, struggles, and ultimately are allowing you to become a part of the team. That's the right doctor. And there is no real formula to describe how do you decipher that, that's really upon engagement, conversation, and interaction that begins to help you to feel like that this is the doc that that God has placed in your path and that there's a relationship that you can build, that you can trust because patients need to trust in their physician and in their care plan.
0: Yeah, that patient-doctor connection is vitally important.
1: Bedside manners, you know, the way that you are approached, how you're spoken to, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all of that plays into the fundamental Uh, decrease of anxiety and frustration that in some cases people can experience because of a a sense of being disconnected from the medical process and their medical physician.
0: Oh, that's so very important. Again, we're talking about these four things every cancer patient must do. And you can download this document, this resource right now at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Percy, we've talked about two of the four things. Let's talk about number three, Boy, talk about being important. Know the right questions to ask.
1: And again, it, it really ties back into a previous point that I made. Typically, not in all cases, many cancer patients are overwhelmed by initially being told that they have cancer. Sometimes your brain kind of, you know, it's a computer chip. It just freezes it shuts up. shuts down, yeah. And so it'll shut down. And so you don't know what to ask. You don't know what to think. And you kind of go into a state of just confusion and being overwhelmed. So beginning to write down questions, have someone, again, you're one of your caretakers, uh, help you think through the process of questions to ask in relationship to your diagnosis, to your treatment plan. And then again, it goes back to point number two, having the right doctor that you can go back to And ask questions where the doc is not frustrated or feels like that they're being short with you because you're asking questions that, you know, you need some clarity on. Sure. Asking correct questions with respect to what you think will be of value to you in terms of outcome, potentially processes, uh, uh, different side effects, et cetera, et cetera. These are really important things that you need to at least begin to think about. Write them down, and then when you go back to sit down and talk to your physician, be willing to say, Doc, can I ask you some questions mm-hmm. that will help me work through this process? Well, here's what
0: I'm thinking. This resource is not just for the person who's on a cancer journey themselves. It's for all of us who want to reach out and help those, you know, help them clarify what questions to ask.
1: Again, well, we, we've we talked about this. Cancer is not an individual sport. This isn't golf. This is a team sport. <laughs> you, you're you going to need someone who's going to help assist you or provide for you Things that will allow you to work through this process. But just like you need things to help you work through that process, your caregiver also needs some assistance with regard to how can I better assist the person. So, again, they may have questions. Mm-hmm. They may have thoughts and concerns as well that that need to be addressed from your medical team that will help them empowering those who are helping you be empowered through your process.
0: All right. And the fourth and final thing on this list is stay strong for the fight.
1: Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, the word of God says that I train my body as an athlete, one who beats his body. uh, The word of God says in the King James version, in other words, training yourself, preparing yourself for battle, for conflict. Uh, Cancer is not necessarily a walk in a park. It's a fight. And we have to bring an aggressive disposition to the table to work through the potential rigors of being a patient and going through treatment may require. And every day is not a good day per se. Every day is not simple and easy. So, again, we have to begin to stay strong for the fight mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically.
0: The stronger you remain during the treatment, the more prepared you'll be for the fight ahead.
1: Because, again, there's work to be done. This is not just going to be... Uh, In many cases, I'm just praying this away, and then it just disappears. There certainly have been stories of people who have done that, but by and large, in my 20-plus years, there is a process, and in many cases, it can be lengthy, and it's going to require
0: strength to endure. Go to the website right now, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Health, hope, and inspiration.com download this free resource called Four Things Every Cancer Patient Must Do. And what do I do with this? It's not just for me, it's for me to share with others and as they need it, right?
1: The ideal here in the world of viral social media is to provide an audience with information that they can share and spread abroad. Share this, give it to people on Facebook, uh, email it to individuals where they can pass this along. You never know who would need this type of information until you decided to share it with others.
0: Take us back to our scripture verse today. So
1: spiritual nugget for the day as we close, as we started, Psalms 9, verse number 10. And those and those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Today, seek the face of God and be strengthened while you trust in him.
0: That is rich. All right go to the website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, download this resource. And one more thing you can do, you can subscribe to our podcast so that you'll automatically receive these updates uh, each week here from Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Subscribe easily at the website. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae. And Percy, good to be with you. We'll see you next time.
1: Again, the best is still yet to come in your life. God bless you. Be encouraged.